You're tuned in to the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. Lee Reeve is a beer and cider expert and founder of Insider Magazine and Japan Cider Market. On this episode, Sam and Lee chat about his contribution to these industries in Japan. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. Lee Reeve, welcome to the Tokyo Living Podcast. Thank you, Sam. Pleasure to be here. Now, uh, given that your line of work, this may be the first and possibly last time you're on a predominantly health and wellness focused podcast. Um, <laughs> perhaps the listeners, if you just uh, give a bit of a background on yourself. Well, actually, my name is Lee. Um, I'm uh, born in England, raised in Scotland, lived, uh, lived a few places around the world, but uh, uh, ended up in Japan, I think, early 2000s, and I've uh, kind of been here ever since. Yeah, and what what initially brought you to Japan? I uh, haven't got a clue, really. Uh, it's a, quite a weird story. Um, I was uh, living in America. I was working as a, a graphic designer there. Um, did quite well, but uh, just wasn't really sort of enjoying uh, what I was doing with with life, I suppose. Um, quit, uh, sold everything, and then took off to India, and was living there for um, nearly a year um, in a place called Varanasi. Um, and then got really, really sick um, to the point where I had to have two mates come and, and take me home, basically. Um, ended back in uh, Glasgow, where I'm from, and um, spent about another six months uh, recovering. And then once I, um, once I was well, I um, had zero idea what I wanted to do with my life and where to go. And uh, it turned out um, a, a friend of that I'd met in the States, who's Japanese, said, why don't you come to Japan? So I did and uh, left and then came back, left and came back. And by the third time, it just sort of made sense to stay and, uh, and did. And, and I've been here since, uh, ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And so what work were you doing when you first came to Japan? Absolutely nothing. Um, and that sort of leads to what I'm doing now, really. Um, I was doing, yeah, literally zero. I was uh, living in, uh, in a nice uh, area in Zushi. So it was, it was summer when I first came here. So I was just at the beach, nice. um, just sort of hanging out. For, um, You've got to that point where, yeah, I was running out of cash, needed a, needed a job. And it, and it turned out that a, a friend of mine, another friend of mine that I'd met, um, had a father who just passed away and left in the business and he didn't really know what to do. And so I went from being a graphic designer to, to homeless, to, um, um, getting into sales training and learning how that, that, that operated. Okay. Um, and did that, um, and then sort of in between, um, because I had a lot of time on my hands was, um, homebrewing. Um, making beer, uh, making cider, making wine. Um, and then it was by this time about 2009. Um, and then craft beer started to really take off, uh, in Japan or take off. It was, it started to rear its head really. Mm. And there were a lot of uh, Japanese people that were interested in, but they couldn't, um, get the information because it was in English. So I happened to be a guy that knew how to make beer and could speak English and Japanese by that time. And started consulting and then sort of moved into it that way. Um, and then started working for a, a, a craft beer magazine and publishing. Did that until about 2013, 14. And then by that time, um, Cider was sort of, uh, which is my main business, was making its presence known in the UK again and in America. And I sort of shifted uh, that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you get uh, into the home brewing? Is that something you'd, you'd done for a long time? Uh, yeah, just, just, um, you know, when I was growing up in England, it was just the thing, everybody and, and really? everybody, everybody's parents were doing it. 
and it just sort of filtered down to the youngers. Yeah, it was just, you know, quick and easy way to to have booze in your hands for cheap. Because wow. um, I think that's something that in Australia, some people uh, toy with a bit, but it's, it's uh, at least when I was growing up, it wasn't wasn't necessarily the norm. But, but in the UK, that's something that a lot of people... Yeah, I think in the seventies and eighties, it had a, it was a huge uh, thing again with, with the fathers, uh, you know, people's parents and, and fathers, especially the, everyone's, um, um, home, you know, in, in the corner had, had a fermenting tank that was going, um, it probably became less popular, um, eighties and nineties. And it sort of, again, made a comeback. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Australia, but it turned out that, uh, a lot of the the interest in, in America is where it really took off is because of Australia, because there were a, yeah, a couple of guys that, um, um, were there, but, uh, because there weren't a lot of people, they had to look to the internet and, um, it just, yeah, caught on that way. So, yeah, I think now, now that I think about it in Australia, there, there were one or two people that, that, that I know tried home brewing and, um, the product was just absolutely atrocious. And I think yeah. it's like, Turned people off actually trying it. The, the home brews that they tasted in the past have, have not been a particularly high quality. Yeah, and I think we're all all in that same boat at, at one time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. How how did you sort of then get into the consulting side, and and were you sort of yeah, how, yeah what were you doing in that space? Yeah. So in in the beginning, it was mostly just translating. I mean, they'd go out buy these books that um, American publishers had written, or in, you know, English uh, writers had written, and I was sort of just translating the instructions over. And then it was um, um, helping promote. Uh, um, why people should be drinking it versus, you know, the, the commercial stuff. Um, and then it was, um, myself, imp- I guess, improving, um, I was now studying with, with professional brewers and just sort of transferring that information over to the Japanese people. Um, and then by the time that, uh, in, yeah, I started working for a magazine, it was quite simple. It was just a, a lot of writing, promoting people that were doing it, um, promoting places that were selling it and that sort of, that sort of thing. Yeah. And what uh, was the magazine called that you were... uh, that was uh, Japan Beer Times, which is still uh still uh, very largely uh widely circulated in this country. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um uh this is gonna sort of show my ignorance a little bit, but how would you define how is craft beer defined as opposed to yeah, other brewing methods? Uh, the the simplest way I can do it is is by uh purity of ingredients and size of production. So craft okay. beer sort of um uh, really refers to uh small micro breweries people that are producing less than um x amount of liters versus say asahi or sapro or the big four that are producing millions and millions of liters that's pretty much the the definition right um, um and again they're trying to um instead of using really cheap easy to find um um ingredients like uh, just pure fructose or, or corn sugar. They're really trying to experiment with, with, uh, um, more organic, uh, organic ingredients or just, uh, uh closer to pure. I mean, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, side note, my, my father actually, uh, back, I think in the seventies or eighties, but, um, he had a few different businesses, but, um, he actually opened, uh, the first craft brewery brewery in, in Australia, in our hometown of Ballarat. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and it was sort of adjacent to, uh, where we grew up. Um, he, he also had a motel and hotel business. Um, 
I say he, my, my mother and father. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was always there. The brewery was always there. We, we sort of had walked through it as kids and, you know, you have that typical brewery smell, but, that was um, right, right. but thinking back, uh, as adults, when, cause he sold the brewery when we were little kids and, um, and then, you know, when craft brewery started to become more popular in Australia, sort of in the last you know, 15 years or so, he's like, well, I was actually the first person to do that. Oh, that's sweet. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Club 360 is Tokyo's premier health, fitness and rehabilitation centre, offering physiotherapy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Mota Azabu and Higashi Azabu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukou and Yokohama, Club 360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world, ready to take care of all your injuries and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthy and happier life. Come visit us at club360.jp or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. In terms of, uh, I guess the whole sort of brewing industry in Japan, um, are there sort of major differences in how the industry runs or, or brewing techniques or anything like that? That's, um, significantly different to, to other parts of the world. No, I mean, as far as no brewing, that techniques and production is pretty much the same as what, um, I think what makes craft beer or just brewing in general, um, pretty, uh, um, uh, just sort of universal because yeah, it's, you know, water, hops, yeast. Yeah. And what, uh, there is really a big difference. And what makes the differences between countries is um, how the, the legality behind it. So, um, and that really just basically boils down to taxes. Okay. Um, and Japan has a seriously very, very high tax um, for beer production, which is why you don't see a lot of people making it. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was um, pretty much relegated for just the, the, the big four. Um, yeah. Uh, for pretty obvious reasons, I mean, they, they wanted to control the uh, the industry. Um, but as um, homebrewing and microbrewing became more popular, that I think it was in the 90s, mid-90s is when Japan changed the brewing law that said in order to get a brewing license, you didn't have to make billions and billions of litres of, of beer a year. It was down to like 60,000 litres, which um a lot more practical. Um, uh, and... I think that's the, the the key difference in places like America. That number is a lot less in places like UK, um, but it's just really how um, governments regulate the alcohol, and that's the big difference. Mm, yeah, and and so is that a uh, is the higher tax as a result of just the power of the big brewers? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a, a part of it is you know affected by um, um, uh, things being imported and that sort of stuff, but it's mostly the government. Absolutely. And is there a push from, I guess, the, uh, the smaller brewers as a for a long time. And then that's the thing, um, for, you know, uh, getting back to homebrewing, I mean, homebrewing is technically illegal in Japan. I'm right. not allowed to make, um, uh, a, an alcoholic product, 1% ABV or more without having a license. Really? Um, um, oh, when we, when this goes to air, I'll just sort of block out the, uh, the tanks. At the back. Well, I, I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm covered by you. You're covered. Yeah. Okay. So that, no, no worries. Um, but, uh, um, things like that. Um, yeah, there's been a massive push and in, even recently there've been, um, um, some larger Japanese breweries trying to help that push, but. It's, it's a difficult, I mean, we're in Japan, right? Exactly. So that's, that's the situation we're in now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
moving on to, to cider. So, uh, you said that that's really a specialty specialty, um, for, for us as Australians or for me personally, cider is not a super popular drink or certainly wasn't when, uh, when I was, uh, when I was younger. Um, if someone is yeah, ignorant like me and, uh, and, and doesn't, hasn't had a lot of experience with cider, how would you describe it as a drink and, uh, you know, how's it produced? What's the, you know, ingredients? well, first of all, it's, I, I wouldn't say ignorant at all. I mean, what, what you're, I, you know, um, there are more people like you, um, in the world than there are that actually know about cider. And that's for me, part of the, um, the allure and, and why I, I love what I do, but, um, yeah, so cider, I mean, uh, is essentially um, fermented apple juice. I mean, at its core, and that's pun intended, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's fermented apple juice. Um, um, it's uh, If you know how wine is made, I mean, it's pretty much the same. Just substitute grapes, um, apples for grapes. The problem has been um, um, when it was initially popular commercially, which is, I'm going to say, the 70s in the UK, the stuff that was being made was uh, very sweet, um, sort of high alcohol, very sweet, uh, syrupy, uh, grog. Um, and I believe in, in Australia, that's the first stuff that, that people were drinking out there. Um, and it, yeah, so it, it just gave a sort of bad image about, um, about the drink. My first alcoholic drink was cider when I was uh, maybe a little younger than it should have been, but the reason why I chose cider was because it was easy to get. Everybody knew it. It was, you know, 10%. It was very high, yeah. high octane stuff. Um, and it would knock you out. And, and, um, that image has, has been pervasive even till now. Really? Yeah. 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 And, and was there sort of a, a shift in terms of the cider production and quality? Um, were there big companies that sort of came in and tried to? Well, it's not the big companies. The, the big companies are still doing the, the, the same thing. I mean, that's mm. how, you know, that's why, um, um, that's where the money's at. But uh, what's happened in the last, uh, yeah, about 15 years is, um, these, um, cider makers that really believe in the craft of, of cider, um, who are making, you know, excellent, excellent, uh, quality drink. Um, uh, they've been, uh, recognition before them has been um, increasing. Um, and then craft beer has a lot to do with, with the resurgence of cider too, because you've got, again, back in the late nineties or early two thousands, um, in America and in the UK, craft beer becoming a, a, a much bigger thing. Um, um, even supplanting some of the, the bigger, uh, uh, major brewers, um, but they were sort of running out of ideas. Um, and so cider just sort of, again, followed on their footsteps or their, their coattails. Um, so cider was making a resurgence because of craft beers resurgence. Um, and as a result, you've got a lot more, um, uh, people experimenting and trying new things with cider. So the, um, there's been a sort of, yeah, a new wave and a new, uh, appreciation for it. Mm. Um, but that's, uh, the, the people that, that know that that's happening, it's, it's still quite limited. Um, really? so my job for the past few years, again, has just been promoting it, uh, getting people aware of, of what this new, new wave of cider is, um, and, and how it's different and, and why you should, you know, give it a chance. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, what I've been doing since 2015, 16. Yeah. Um, but did you have an idea roughly of, of what the sort of market share is of, of cider beverages compared to, uh, to other alcoholic beverages and how that sort of 
changing? Well, what's interesting is that cider as a category uh, globally is the number two f- fastest and largest growing um, drinks category in the world. It's only um, um, being beat by, by spirits. And that's been going on since nine, or, sorry, but since 2013, I want to say, 2013, 14. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, market share in, 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 in various countries is still very, very low. In Japan, it's like 1%. It's ridiculous. Um, I think in Australia it's growing, but it's still quite small. It's, um, I think still single digits okay. in the UK, it's about, you know, it's about the same. So, um, while it is becoming more popular, um, it's still quite small and this is really conflicting because, um, um, a lot of the industry, um, researchers see cider as the next big thing, but it hasn't, it just hasn't hit yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, Perhaps if you talk a little bit more about some of the mediums that, that you're using to promote cider and, uh, yeah, and the, and the different things that you've Yeah. So when I got started, um, I, I, I basically replicated my, um, my history in craft beer. So, um, I was, I was the editor of a, of a craft beer magazine. So I left that and, and launched my own magazine, which is, uh, this, which is inside of Japan. So that's now maybe hold it up a little bit closer to the kit. Yeah. My Japan. Yeah. Um, and that was launched in the end of 2017. Um, and it was just a, a way for me to say that, um, there is a thing called cider and I'm, and I'm pushing it. And if you're interested, let me know. Um, the first, yeah, first two years, absolutely. It's just, uh, you know, losing money, um, money coming out of my pocket, out of my savings, uh, because no one's interested. Um, mm. and I, I couldn't even knew it would be like that. Um, um, so to keep motivated and keep going was it was really the the, the tough challenge so um because uh the, the biggest problem was i was talking about this thing but i didn't have anything to show for it right so uh by necessity i had to become an importer so in 2018 okay. um, i spent that year basically trying to get my my licenses in order and it took quite a, a while but i did um, and then, yeah, I think the end of 2018, um, I put my first order in for, um, an Australian cider called Willie Smith from Tasmania, which is this one. Here we go. Yeah. And, um, it was an immediate hit with the, the people that I was, um, showing it, showcasing it to. Um, and I've, uh, so I put in a few more orders for a few more ciders that I thought were, were worth it. Um, some from the UK, some from the US, um, and that was a, yeah, 2019, right when COVID hit, <laughs> then it's just been, um, it's been a constant challenge ever since. So, um, I've had to deal with, uh, you know, the Japanese government basically banning alcohol sales, not allowing, uh, uh, wholesalers like myself to sell to, to bars and pubs. Um, right. Oh, really? Okay. Oh yeah. So, so it's been a, a wicked, a wicked last two years. Um, but, but we managed to squeak through and, and the surprising thing is, is that, um, through that adversity, which, you know, nearly, you know, nearly took the company under, to be perfectly honest, there is a market and people wanted it, uh, people mm-hmm. want it and wanted it. And so, um, we were able to survive just on, you know, on sales alone, um, which is pretty, yeah, pretty inspiring from, for somebody that's been, you know, slogging this for, for a long time, um, and not getting a lot back. Um, so now here we are in 2022, um, and things are, um, definitely picking up and we've got, you know, more orders in the, in the works and, um, more people are interested. So 
um, even though the market share yeah is quite small compared to um, you know uh, uh, the chew highs and in, in, in beers and in uh, everything else, um, I still see it is a is a very uh, optimistically as a product that will become yeah quite quite popular in the near future, and that's being um, proven uh, by the one thing that's really inspiring is uh, domestic production. So in okay. 2018, you had like five people professionally making it Japanese cider commercially. And now you've got, you know, that number's like tripled, quadrupled um, since 2019. So that's, um, that's very, very hopeful. Are you in need of a good massage? Club 360 boasts a team of experienced massage therapists specialized in sports, Swedish, deep tissue, prenatal and postpartum massage techniques and are able to tailor treatment to your specific needs. Mention Tokyo Living to receive 30% off your first massage for first-time users. Contact info at club360.jp for more details. I thought it was interesting when you said that uh, the government banned uh, sales to, to bars and pubs. I mean, I guess it makes sense if they sort of know that the bars and pubs are probably going to continue to serve alcohol um, against their wishes. If they can sort of stop the flow into those venues, then they've got more of a chance of, you know, it, you know. yeah, I, I think that was the, uh, the, 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 the good intent. I mean, we were at a time where, you know, the government was trying to curb people from going out and traveling and, and, and spreading the, the virus, which made perfect sense. But I think by uh, what they what they inadvertently did was sort of place the blame on 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 bars as if, as if that was where everybody was getting yeah 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 you know infected and that was really um um it was it was un, unfair in one degree but what uh, what happened was they 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 ran with it and so they they said that the 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 pubs and restaurants had to close early um which you know, obviously damages their business, but they went one step further and said, yeah, they, they put a ban on, on, um, certain kinds of alcohol sales. Um, and then, uh, and, and just, uh, it made it worse because they actually, yeah, went as far as asking wholesalers not to sell to the, to the pubs and bars. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just, yeah, that really, um, it, it, it put a sock in, in, in our, in our industry for sure. Um, the, the, the flip side is, yeah, we did see, um, a lot of people turning to online platforms to, to get alcohol. Right. Um, and then that was, yeah, that was the other thing too, but it wasn't quite fair because you could still buy alcohol at convenient, you know, convenience stores. Yeah, so, so there was that, that whole thing going on, which was, uh, just made it very, very confusing for people in the, in the alcohol industry. Um, but that's, um, it's, it's sort of relieved itself and we're, yeah. we're again, back to a, a kind of normal now. So in the past, yeah. yeah. Um, and so with your sales, uh, of the products that you're reporting, uh, are you targeting mainly venues or are you getting into some bottle shops as well? Where's your main market there? We started with, uh, uh, bottle shops because they were the ones that had the most interest and most bottle shops are, um, um, selling imported products. So, um, it, it was easy to talk to them and get them to, to try, um, the slower, um, the slower target has been restaurants and bars, but that's actually been, been picking up, um, um, in craft bar, craft beer bars in particular, um, we do sell in addition to bottles and cans, we sell kegs, um, okay. craft beer. So, um, we've seen a, a, a notable increase in craft beer bars that are willing to, 
you know, put, put a keg of cider on tap. Um, and that's not just, in, it used to be just in Tokyo, but now, you know, um, uh, the, the scene in, in Osaka has now started to, to kick off and in other places, Fukuoka as well. So uh, again, as somebody who's been very closely watching the, the scene for the past five years, um, it's, it's in the last year and a half, it's, it's really starting to take a foothold. Yeah, it's giving me a lot of hope, yeah. Awesome, yeah. Uh, and then from a, an importing perspective, what have been some of the, the big challenges there? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, having your uh, distribution channels uh, blocked, this has got to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what else has been difficult in that space? So that's difficult. And then um, there was the, um, I think it made uh, uh, pretty big news, but the, the, the as a, again, sort of fallout from COVID was the shipping container um, crisis. So there were um, a lot of, um, um, you know, these, these great big shipping um, boats with all these containers of, of, of stuff were now locked in, in different ports around the world because they were not allowed entry because of the fear of the spread of COVID. So that, um, that in turn jacked up the, uh, the prices of, of shipping stuff. So now, um, we've had to deal with, um, um, you know, the cost of importing X amount of anything has now, you know, literally doubled in the last year, which makes it really hard because now we've got to mark up our prices. People don't want to buy things that are too expensive and yeah. move on. So that's been the biggest, the biggest challenge. Um, for us personally, it's been, um, um, I don't want to say waiting, but, um, uh, the, the, the still inability to do events, large, large events, because, um, I think for a lot of importers and, um, and people who's, who, who make and sell alcohol, we've relied on, um, these sort of, you know, large spring festivals and summer festivals, um, to, as a, as a medium to, to sell stuff. And we're, we still haven't been allowed to do that yet. Yeah. So there's still um, a lot of um, challenges of how to sell the product. Um, I personally, I think we're quite very lucky that I got started in the middle of COVID. So we um, adapting and, and being flexible was just sort of part of the course for us. Yeah. For the people that have been doing this for many, many years, um, it, they've found it a lot more difficult to um, pivot as they say, and, um, um, change their, their business model. So I think for a lot of people, that's the continuing challenge. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and then, yeah, well, what do you see sort of for the future of your business? What, have you got any other sort of projects that uh, you're looking at that working on and where do you see the cider market uh, in Japan? Hitting? Yeah. So, um, again, a lot of, um, um, I'm, uh, importing is something that I, I sort of took on as a, as a necessity, but my, my main um, what's the word I need here? Um, my main, um, the, the thing that I do most is consulting. Um, and I do that not just here in Japan, but I do that, um, um, internationally. So, um, next month I'll be in, in America, um, in uh, Michigan doing, um, consulting with a few of the, the cider agencies there that are looking to, um, not only import product into Japan, but find out ways to, to collaborate. Um, one of the things that I've been working on for the past few years is, um, yeah, international cider collaborations. So, um, one that we've just finished involves, uh, five different countries from Norway, Spain, Australia, um, America, and one other Denmark. 
and they are um, they've been collaborating with Japanese cider makers to um, produce um, very unique ciders. Um, they've just finished that, and they should be released uh, next month. So I do a lot of that. Um, but yeah, but the the thing that's most important to me is is really is creating this market here in Japan, making it um, getting the visibility high where people um, are not confused by what the word is because in Japan that it is confusing because when you say cider, a lot of people still think of the, you know the Mitsui non-alcoholic soda stuff, which you know fair game, but um, there is a difference. Um, and um, more importantly, is getting um, you know people to understand that cider really isn't one thing it's 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 um it's uh there are many different styles and many different kinds and variations and um if you don't like cider a that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that you won't like cider b and c so um um i look forward to to continuing that and, um, I, and again i i think it, i'm very very optimistic about the future of cider not just um, here, but uh, around the world, because it is as again, it is a continually growing, um, uh, growing category. Club Three Hundred and Sixty are proud to announce the launch of our online corporate ergonomics and wellness program. This program is delivered in bite-sized chunks of one to five-minute video clips every day for twelve weeks, and covers topics such as pain, injury prevention best setup, productivity, all-cause mortality, as well as a guide to 20 easy-to-implement desk-based exercises to keep you active throughout the workday. We also have an optional test and certification available. Contact info at club360.jp for more details. And then if uh, if people haven't uh, tried cider before, uh, would you give sort of three brands or um yeah or types that you would recommend for people to have a try and and well, um, different, maybe a few different types of cider, different types of taste? Well, absolutely. So I'm I'm quite fond, even though I'm I'm from the UK, I'm I'm quite fond of the of Australian modern ciders, and I, and I say that because the apples that they're using are not these these crazy um 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 in the industry, we, what we call cider apples, which tend to be very, very bitter and very astringent, okay. high in tannins, that sort of thing, um, which produce wonderful, wonderful tasting ciders, but it, it's, um, they're not easy to drink. I mean, to put it quite plainly, okay. but you do have ciders like, again, um, this is one of our most popular, the Willie Smith from Tasmania, which inside this, this, uh, this cider are, um, Fuji apples, uh, pink lady gullet. Apples that you can buy on in the market here in Japan, but they produce some um, a really easy to drink um, um, cider, not too sweet, uh, not too dry. Um, this is another one from Australia here. This is like one of our newer products. It's a um, 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 a cider that's been hopped with the same sort of hops that they use in beer, um, making it um, again um, for people who do drink beer. It's much more um, a, a closer drink to that. Um, and, um, this is a, a, a crazy one from America called 101. Um, this one is a naturally fermented, uh, what we call a, a wild cider. So it's, um, uh, quite sour. There's nothing added to it. It's, it's basically the way that cider is made in nature. If you, um, if you went out and, and you know, uh, found a, a bucket of apples that had sort of fermented on their own. That's what it would taste like. Um, 
So um, for people, the, the comments that we get mostly are, um, we don't like sweet. Right. Um, so the, the, the sales that we import tend to be on the drier side. Um, okay. So um, those are the ones, yeah, that we recommend. The Willie Smith is, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you want to go out and, and grab uh, you know, a few of those, uh, do, you, do you have direct-to-consumer online? We, we do, yeah, and that's quite important because um, we do uh, – we're quite happy with uh, our distribution numbers and we do sell to a lot of places around Japan, but still the easiest way to get it is through our, our online shop. And yeah. um, uh, where is it? Japan cider market. Uh, uh, kind of hard to see it probably there, but uh, www.japansidermarketoneword.com. Um, and all of our ciders are online there. Um, and we've, uh, we even have you know, free shipping over, I think it's Ichiman or Ichiman Ni or something like that. Okay. Um, and we ship basically ship everywhere and we can get it to most places the next day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And um, uh, the Insider Magazine, um, what's the distribution like there? Where do you have those magazines? I'm assuming it's bilingual. It's bilingual, yeah. So thanks for mentioning it because that's, uh, that's important uh, uh, because we do. Um, um, uh, appeal to both Japanese speaking only people and, and English speakers. Um, any, basically anywhere that you can buy craft beer, um, yeah. the, the, the more well-established, maybe, maybe that's the best way to say it, but, um, craft beer places, uh, you can find them at wineries, um, at the cideries that do exist here in Japan, those yeah. places, uh, we do have a subscription service, um, uh, you can find that online basically through either insiderjapan.com or japansidermarket.com. Yep. Um, yeah, but I think fairly readable, fairly read, read, readable, um, um, gettable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and it's just a print version. So you don't have online. We do have, uh, there is a, a version that is downloadable through, again, through our online okay. platform. Yeah. Cool. And uh, where else can the listeners uh, find you? I know you, you, you're fairly active on other um, platforms. Yeah, in, so. Facebook and Instagram, or Instagram seems to be where we really do a lot of, of um, reach out. Um, but Instagram, yeah, at uh, Inside of Japan, or Inside of Japan. Yep. Um, and Facebook as well, Inside of Japan. Um, and again, both of those platforms, English and Japanese. So, yeah, yeah, terrific. And, uh, and you're fairly active on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. That's, that's another one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we'll put all those, uh, links in, in the show notes. So everyone oh, check out, uh, yeah. yeah, inside of Japan, uh, website and then Instagram, Facebook and, uh, and Japan cider market. If you want to uh, grab yourself, uh, some cider, um, Lee, any, anything else that you, you wanted to get out to the, the listeners at all? Uh, those are that just occurred to me. You started this, uh, you started this chat with uh, the fact that, um, yeah, this could be the only health related um show that one and, and absolutely true and i feel almost uncomfortable or, or guilty being on it for that reason um but the great thing about cider is that um um and and this is coming from most of the producers not not from me but um one of the goals with cider is um you know if you're going to drink alcohol i mean obviously not a uh, a healthy choice if it's you know taken to extremes but if you're going to drink alcohol cider is one of the better ways to do it and the reason why is that there, there aren't any added or there shouldn't be any added sugars there shouldn't be anything else it's pretty much an apple that has been squeezed for its juice yeast added and fermented and that's it yeah um, this one again just another plug for this 101 um i mean they even uh, go as far as um adding probiotics to it you know smart foods 
So um, um, as far as choices go, um, cider is definitely the better choice. <laughs> That's a fantastic way to finish. Um, obviously, yeah, we're all about health and wellness here, but everything in moder- moderation, as we say. Um, Lee, it's, it's, it's great to have you on. We've known each other quite a while. I haven't really yeah. had a chance to explore um, your business and what you do in, in that much detail. And it's, uh, it's really cool um, hearing your story. And uh, congratulations on, on what you've done with the business uh, so yeah, far. Um, and yeah, all the best for the future. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. All right. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cheers, mate. Take care. All right. You too. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.